This podcast is brought to you by Minimal Productions. Producer Jim Mintz. Bail is refused. You're out of order! If it pleases the court. To adopt this affirmation, please say the words, I do. I do. Nothing further from this court. Given the serious nature of this offence, this case is dismissed. Welcome to The Wigs. I'm your host, Jim Minns. In this week's episode, The Wigs discuss possibly the most momentous and controversial criminal case in American history, the indictment of Donald Trump by special counsel Jack Smith for his efforts to overturn the 2020 US election. The Wigs discuss the three offence-creating provisions, some of the facts underlying the allegations, and the overall merit of prosecuting a former president in what is and will surely continue to be a hugely divisive prosecution in a hugely divided country. Is this divisiveness reason to not prosecute, or indeed a further reason to prosecute. Will this indictment protect American democracy or take it further into the abyss? Interestingly, just days after this episode was recorded, Trump was indicted again, this time by a DA in Georgia, along with lawyer Rudy Giuliani and 17 others on a fourth series of charges, again relating to the attempts to subvert the 2020 election in Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Wigs. It's great to be back and uh, to be of service to you all. I am joined in the studio today. Oh, by the way, my, ho- my name is Jim Minns. Great to be your host for this this evening. I'm joined in the studio by Stephen Lawrence, MLC. Hey, Jim. Good to be here. Good to have you here, sir. Emmanuel Kirkasharian. Hi, Jim. Hello. People Hello. are calling for your episode. What do you mean? Mm. You know how we all had an episode? People are calling for your interview episode. Ringo exposed. Yeah. I'm happy to oblige. Well, Let's I, tee it up. I think we all should interview you, or I'm happy to do it. <laughs> Just cross-examine me. Yeah. Ryan <laughs> gets 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, I... I'm up for that. Great. Not today, though. Okay. Felicity Graham. Jim Mins. Welcome back from uh, sunny Europe. Thank you. <laughs> Good to have you here. Good to have us all in the studio. We're ready to go. Uh, got a lot to talk. Uh, well, you know, we've got a lot to talk about today on our one topic with our new format. Taking it away is Mr. Emmanuel Kirkasharian. The defendant had a right, like every American, to speak publicly about the election and even to claim falsely that there had been outcome determinative fraud during the election and that he had won. That's on the second page of the new Trump indictment. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Trump has been indicted. He's, this is now his third indictment. There's, um, Incredible. Th- there's, of course, the – I don't know which one was the first in time. I think it was, I think it was the, the Stormy, Stormy Daniels, Daniels yeah. indictment. Um, and Seems to have been in order of – Strength, doesn't it? Or seriousness, in a way? Not really. What? Like starting with the least. Ah, I see. Yeah. Um, The second one was the classified document indictment. Mm. Uh, And now there's an indictment alleging basically that he tried to defraud the United States. Um, The indictment has three charges on it. And these, the indictments uh, won't be f- – if you've never seen an American indictment, they're very different to the sorts of indictments that we have in this country. Um, here you'll have an indictment that the, – the indictment might literally say that in such and such a date, person X did murder hmm. person Y or did steal you know, X from Y to such amount. Mm-hmm. This indictment, as I understand, is quite common in America, is quite lengthy and uh-huh. in some senses reads more like a precy of the facts that are alleged – uh, as opposed to just a bare statement of the law, which is how the indictments are done here. Anyway, there are three separate criminal conspiracies alleged, and they are conspiracies. That is to say, the crimes is the operation of a group of people, 
to to engage in these things. It's not like alleged that he did these things all by himself. Yeah. Um, one is a conspiracy to defraud the United States by using dishonesty, fraud, and deceit to impair, obstruct, and defeat the lawful federal government function by which the results of the president presidential election were collated, counted, and certified by the federal government. So to say that a little bit slower, it's basically he engaged in a fraud to get in the way of the ordinary certification process of the of the presidential election. They seem to have a broader concept of fraud than we do, don't they? Because this comes up in the Stormy Daniels one as well, where they talk about defrauding the the state in that case where it's just sort of impeding the proper operations of like the tax system but not necessarily to get a benefit whereas we sort of think about fraud as obtaining a financial benefit by deception mm. but they seem to have a diff- more expansive meaning don't they yeah i think so but there is still the element i think of needing to show some benefit, which in this case is obviously the presidency itself, which has a financial benefit attached to it, if nothing else. Um, But the section that that relates to is 18 USC 371, which is a really odd kind of section. It says, if two or more persons... I won't read the whole thing, but if two or more persons conspire either to commit any offence against the United States or to defraud the United States or any agency thereof for any manner or any purpose, and so on and so forth. Um, I think this is the, that these charges were originally made to go after the Ku Klux Klan, right? It's basically the Ku Klux Klan were trying to stop African Americans from engaging in the ordinary political processes, and this was a way to kind of prosecute them for that conduct. I oh. thought that was the conspiracy against rights offence. Oh, is that sorry? That's the conspiracy yeah. against Where rights. Yeah, so sorry. The Ku Klux that's the third Klan, offense. It was yeah. to sorry. deal with the Ku Klux Klan trying to stop black people from voting, and the conspiracy against rights charge involves the conduct such as it tends to disenfranchise people because the votes that they did make, he was trying to undermine by saying that they weren't, they didn't validly, for example, vote someone from a particular state to then. Yeah, that's quite right. That's that's two, section 241, which makes it unlawful for two or more people to agree to injure, threaten or intimidate a person um, in the free exercise of their rights or privileges under the Constitution or any laws of the United States. So that's the third count that he's charged with. And the second count is a conspiracy to corruptly obstruct and impede Congress on January 6th, where they collected the results and certified the presidential election. So these are pretty novel charges. And the facts that are pleaded for each of the counts are essentially the same. Um, There are at least six co-conspirators who are not named in the indictment but are described. They are, I think, all lawyers. No. Giuliani are. Yeah. Why aren't they named in the indictment? Because the indictment talks about, for example, co-conspirator one. Yeah. And I listened to an American podcast that said indisputably that is Giuliani. I wonder why, why, why he's not named. Yeah, I don't know. Ooh. I mean, I, I guess it's not necessary to name. You can have unnamed conspiracies, conspirators under the ordinary laws of conspiracy. Ooh. 
Um, It'll come out in I the heard trial, some, of course it will. Right? Yeah. Of course it will. I heard some explanations that involved either the prosecutor might be going through a process of seeing with, whether any of the co-conspirators might assist the prosecution and therefore not end up being prosecuted themselves or, or maybe not end up getting prosecuted themselves. And so they might just want to not name them yet in that way or that they might ultimately be charged but that'll be a separate indictment perhaps. Once evidence of this comes through, mm. can you do that? Yeah, like yeah. they could convict him because time is, I suppose, more of the essence and they want to call these people maybe mm. and then go after them down the track. Yeah, unless the delay became so unconscionable. Are you yeah. are you going to talk about the process that happens before the indictment? The grand jury process? Yeah. So I wasn't going to talk about that too much, but there's but, a grand jury process. And that's an American-only thing. Well, it's actually an old common law thing. Oh, really? We had grand juries in New South Wales. I used to know when that went away. But, and um, what is the pro- concept It's actually of a it? brilliant idea. Okay. Right, so running a trial, an indictable, a felony, what used to be called a felony trial, what here is called an indictable trial, mm. with a jury, it's a pretty hectic thing to do to somebody. Yeah. Right? And what the grand jury really so so in, in New South Wales we used to have committals where it's not just the prosecutor says this is a charge that we're gonna bring and we're gonna ruin your life. Mm. Because one way or another, once you're charged going through a jury trial, like there's minimum expenses and so on. Yeah. We're gonna have a check on that. So the check used to be a magistrate. Now now we've abolished that and any old prosecutor can sign a document to commit and somebody. Away we go. Yeah, and there's all manner of problems with that, which is a story for another day. Mm. But in America, they what they do is they sit down and they convince a bunch of people, a grand jury, that this is a matter that deserves an indictment. And the grand jury votes, wow. in effect, to indict. Now, I think most jurisdictions still preserve the right for a prosecutor to bring charges. Just like here, the director of public prosecutions, or I think any Crown prosecutor can just sign an indictment. Okay. So you can always what they call ex officio a charge. Uh-huh. But generally speaking, particularly for serious serious matters, you have this check, this this preliminary proceedings, mm. and it gives it a sense of validity, right? You've at least been able to convince some citizens, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Now in America, the and grand juries are m- done in private. But there's more than secret. twelve people on a grand jury, isn't that right? Did I heard that? Did I hear that somewhere? Yeah. Well, it depends on, on the, the jurisdiction, and I don't oh, okay. know what it yeah, is yeah, in, yeah. in right, uh, Washington. Just a break in the recording here to insert this little tidbit. Federal grand juries consist of sixteen to twenty-three people, with sixteen being the quorum requirement. But, all right. Well, I digress on that one because I was just uh, I heard about that on a podcast. Grand juries hear the term all the time. Mm. No idea what the hell it was yeah. referencing. Interesting. But it's often, it's, what's it saying? They'd indict a ham, ham sandwich indict or something? A, yeah. yeah. So it, it's f- one-sided, right? That's right. Like the lawyers for the potential accused aren't there to contradict. Right. There's so no cross-examination. Right? I don't think so. Yeah. The prosecutor presents the evidence. The prosecutor tells them what the law is. The prosecutor says, will you indict? Now, generally speaking, a jury's going to do that. A grand jury's going to do that because, you know... Um, but it's still something of a check, and if nothing else, and it requires the prosecutor to at least present some evidence and mm. have a think about it and have a cogent argument, which is really the same check that committals used to have. You at least need to, needed to be able to present something to a magistrate. You mm. can't just bowl up willy-nilly. So that's 
that's the grand jury process. All right. So, so just okay. going, so just going back to the offences. So, yeah. the second one I think you were talking about is the person who corruptly uh, obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding. Yeah. So that uh, carries twenty years maximum, by the way. So in that indictment, uh, they're saying in respect of that 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 is made out by what all of the steps that he took to persuade, for example, Mike Pence not to preside or to not sort of play his ceremonial role in sort of somehow ending the counting process um, and declaring the winner. And is that also bringing in that issue about how they nominated alternate voters, not nominated by the state parliaments or whatever? Yeah. 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 So, so to take a step back, you need to understand how the presidential elections work. So you've got this, it's not just you vote for the president and your vote leads to the election of the president. Most people would have heard about the, the college that they have. What's it called? Electoral college. The electoral yeah. college, right. Um, and states, your vote in your state goes to the selection of electors who then act in the electoral college to vote for president. Mm. Um, and then basically what happens is there's a whole certification process. The government of each state has to certify who the electors are. The electors certify their votes. And it all ends up in Congress on the 6th of January and Congress in a joint session. So but it's just a formality at that stage. Well, I mean... Yes, and it's put as a ceremonial mm. thing, but, you know... But it's presided over by the vice president. It's presided over the vice president. But vice the, cons- the orthodox view is he has no discretionary power. So these voters who've been chosen from each state through the presidential election, their votes are to be tallied and then he ticks it off. Mm. And, that, right. and that yeah. remains the case because he didn't exercise any other... He didn't try and test it on the day. No. No. But Trump tried to get him to. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting to test the proposition of whether or not his role is ceremonial by assuming the fact that you had a vi- if, if you had a vice president who was presiding over that and that person knew that the vote had been rigged, right? Are they bound to exercise their ceremonial role in those circumstances? That's a more difficult question, right? I so, mean, I would have thought, and I'm no expert in American constitutional law, but... I would have thought yes, because the proper place to make that allegation of rigging is going to be firstly probably in the state court, right? Yeah. Because the federal elections over there happen under the state state government system, right? Yep. So I would have thought yeah, people have to pursue those avenues, which Trump did, right? He did. In a number of those states. Well, didn't succeed. yeah, that's right. Yeah. He litigated it. Yeah. 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 Because there has been presidential elections allegedly rigged in the past, like the Nixon-Kennedy one, supposedly in one or two key states there was rigging, but Nixon chose not to contest that. So say the vice president had some personal knowledge of that, Nixon's chosen not to do it, you know, not to litigate it. Yeah. I would have thought it's not for him because who's he? He's not a court. He's just an official who's got this ceremonial role. Yeah, I just, I just wonder, you know, it's one of like, it's a reserve powers situation. Mm. You've mm. got a government that's incapable of functioning properly. Do you sack 
the Prime Minister. Yeah, I mean, what... Right. You, and there's arguments on both sides of that mm. that are quite got, cogent, yeah. right? He's got to put his signature to something. What's the point? At, why do you need to do that? Right, exactly. Mm. And, is it, you know, as, as an honest person, do you, assuming again that you don't believe the election was legit, mm. do you sign your name to it? Or maybe, yeah. your, only, maybe your only choice is to resign. Mm-hmm. Right, which mm-hmm. is but clearly Pence thought it was legitimate. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. no. But I, we're talking about sort of hypothetically whether or not, in what circumstance might it not might be ceremonial? It, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. I this, mean, maybe a better example is, or more compelling example. Maybe this is what you meant. In fact, is that it's not that the vote in the particular state was rigged, but the electoral college was somehow rigged, so that the votes coming to you, you know, don't represent the popular vote, for yeah. example. Yeah, Maybe but, that more directly engages your power. But that's not the case here, right? His case at its best, Trump's case, that is, was that somehow the tabulation or the counting of the actual elector votes in the election itself had been rigged. Yeah. Now, the right jurisdiction to raise that's presumably in the state court. Yeah. Who's got the fact-finding powers to work out whether that really happened or not. Maybe that's true of the Electoral College, sort of delegates as well. I mean, this is where this whole... The the criminalisation of politics becomes such a problematic matter, right? Because all of those things are, may at the same time be a crime but also just be a political actor pursuing what they think is the right outcome, right? And, I mean, part of the allegation is, and it's... The, it, part of the allegation is that, in effect, Trump knew what yeah. he was doing was false. This is what's so interesting, right? Mm. Now, there is evidence to the effect that people had advised him of the position, and there's a lot of people telling him, mate, there's no fraud here, right? <laughs> lots of people saying that, lots of courts saying that, everyone, not everyone, but lots of people saying that to him. But on the other hand, he it's not... He went lawyer shopping, didn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, right? he did. He did. And, Though and, even and he, there's things in the indictment about him saying things to people like of one of his lawyers who's feeding this, feeding this stuff to him, he says of her to someone else, it all does sound very loopy. And he says to Mike Pence at one point when Mike Pence says, no, there's no fraud, I can't do this, he says, you're too honest. Yeah, you're too yeah. honest. Yeah. And yeah. I think it was in response to that or something, some other conversation with... Mike Pence, where they ended up at odds with each other, was caused Pence's chief of staff to arrange for his Secret Service detail to sort of ramp up the protection to yeah. make sure that the president wasn't arranging some harm <laughs> yeah. to come to the vice president. He's such a deranged individual, I think, in terms of his personality, right? Like he's so highly narcissistic that you can, I think, imagine him almost willfully blinding himself to the truth of it all. But, you know, lots of aspects of the law recognise that that's not a defence, right? Like, told me recklessness in the context of sexual assault. It's no defence if you basically knowingly just turn your mind away from a possibility. So I just don't think this extreme personality kind of disorder that he seems to have could ever translate to some finding that he genuinely believed something that there was no rational basis for and which all of his key proper advisers seemed to have told him was not the case. problem is if you come to the proposition that you're in a trial, right, and you're actually trying to prove what his state of mind was, firstly, 
I think many people would – you don't have to pathologise it. You can just say the man's ego is such that he believed that he won. Yeah. Right. yeah but, and also and the, such a close election with large volumes of turnout. Yeah. Wasn't and, that close? And, well, it wasn't close in the popular vote. It was 7 million or something you lost by. But, but it was close in terms of the states. So two or three states right. was there. Sure. Yeah. And okay. sure – there's no, you know, it's not as if the election was stolen, but there's always fraud in every election, mm. right? There has to be. I mean, you, yeah, but you not know, a outcome determinative. Well, no. but 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 then we're having an argument about scale. All of a sudden, you're presenting to a jury. Well, look at this video. Yeah. Look at this bit of evidence. Look at this bit. Look at these bits of evidence. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's not that hard in a political space to manufacture doubt mm. around that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, we one might sit there and say, "Well, all of the experts told him that," but in his mind, he saw that there's that there's that video of bins being moved yeah. around, which prima facie is quite quite persuasive until you kind of sit down and look at it. But if you look at it for twenty seconds, yeah. you're like, "Oh shit, that's a bit weird." Yeah. And there's probably about ten things like that. So why does it matter? Is it because if he genuinely believed it, then he doesn't have for example, the dishonesty, mental element, or mens rea. Well, is that the essence of it? I don't. Is th- that only for the fraud case? Yeah, I, I actually think that I think that that is only true of the fraud case. It could but be, even then, it, yeah, the other one's corruptly though. Yeah. So the second one, the obstruction, which or Im- influence or impeding of the official proceeding, has to be corruptly, corruptly done. Corruptly obstructing. So if you don't have the mens rea or knowledge, maybe that's not going to meet the the elements of corruptly. It's also a jury question, isn't it? Like. And the third yeah. third you count know. as well did corruptly obstruct a- attempted to and did corruptly obstruct and impede an official an official proceeding. I mean, the interesting count question is, yeah, we were calling that the second count, weren't we? In terms of Manny's discussion yeah. of them, oh, did they did yeah. they ratify it on the day before the yeah. storming? Yeah. Yeah. after the storming, after they the came storm. back. Oh well, they did. They didn't interrupt it. The interesting the interesting it's thing a conspiracy is, though, so right. the offence doesn't it's, have to complete. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just I mean, he probably did obstruct him, but they're not running their case, are they, Manny? As you g'd up the crowd on January sixth, no. and therefore you're criminally responsible for that obstruction. No, well, they're not. they're not running. They're not running it that way. But yeah. There is pleadings about g'ing up the crowd because it's relevant to his that's intent right. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they did some. And I think part of the reason why they're not running that is because there is some evidence that's been adduced against actual rioters to the effect that the Proud Boys and others were planning to organise something before Trump's speech. Yeah. And so in terms of kind of pinning the genesis of this um, attack on the Capitol to Trump's speech, that that would be an inconsistent Mm. way of running prosecution. And I think that fed through to Trump because he referenced it from the podium, but it would have been influenced by rumblings that, that would have been heard, the intelligence that would have come through, yeah. not necessarily Trump having a grand plan and then mm. siphoning it out. He's yeah. also very careful, Trump, to insert into his various speeches, you know, that day and maybe before, you know, you should protest peacefully. Right. He'd slip that in, right? Yeah, he did. While from the as other well side of the tongue, other he's inside quite them, inflammatory. Yeah. Which is very Trump, right? Like totally. he's a master of... It almost seems like a natural way that he kind of thinks. Well, he would have been briefed. He would have been probably briefed, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Say this. Don't incite them. Make sure you say peacefully. If anything happens, you are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's the the weakest part of the indictment is the 
the stuff that comes out of storming um, the Capitol. Yeah. Because it's just... there. I mean, there's a tweet that he puts out, and they cast this in a sort of negative light in the indictment, but... Um, saying this, the defendant issued two tweets that did not ask rioters to leave the capital, but instead falsely suggested the crown at the capital was being peaceful. But what the tweets actually say is like, please support our capital police and our law enforcement. I'm asking for everyone to remain peaceful, no violence and mm. things like that. So he did put out tweets on the day that were saying no violence. Yeah. And so it kind of, you know, having said that, you know, there's this idea of a dog whistle and so on. So... But in any event, I, I mean, the, perhaps the most interesting part of the indictment is putting together these, in effect, groups of fake electors in each I state. I agree. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what you have to do is you've got the electors come together. They often have an official mandated by law has to be there. They cast their votes. That's certified and sent off to Pence for January 6th. So what they did was they got, in effect, his electors together sometimes in state capital houses or state buildings and had, in effect, elections on the side, like parallel ones. Now, they knew that these weren't they didn't were have fake. the force of law. Well, mm. fake is – I mean, sure, they were fake, but they were saying in certain circumstances some of these electors were promised that we will not cast your vote unless a court approves mm. of this process and so on. But they bundled all of this together and sent it off to Pence. And they said, look, we know that these things might not have the force of law or don't have the force of law, but it's enough to cause an argument in Congress and that's enough to block the certification or to delay the certification. Is that the obstruction? That's all part of them. Of it. it's yeah. part, so part they're of all, they're all of them. Kind of, so yeah. the structure of the indictment is quite interesting because basically there's count one and then whole bunch of factual allegations and then for about 42 pages and then counts two three and four just have half a page each which mm. basically states and he's charged with this mm. same facts same facts re-alleged and fully incorporated mm. in herein by reference mm-hmm. um but i think that factual scenario in relation to the parallel process you discussed manny is particularly kind of interesting in the context of count four, which is the conspiracy against rights, which we mentioned at the top. Yeah, you should probably talk about that because then we talk about the elements Ku Klux of that. Klan, um, well, origins of that offence being created after the Civil War. So the conspiracy against rights, uh, it's basically, I mean, so all of this stuff, the conspiracy against rights basically comes down to, by doing all of these things, he denied the electors... When I say the electors, not the not the electors, no, the people, the, the people, mm. um, their votes, mm. right? Or he attempt he was in a conspiracy to do that, right? Mm. The right to vote and to have one's vote counted. Yeah, mm. right. So the actual offence provision for that says this is I don't know how you cite these codes. Eighteen USC two four one. Eighteen U yeah eighteen mm. US code two four one. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the constitution or laws of the United States or because of his having so exercised the same. So that's the first part and that's the part they rely upon for this. But the second part says, or if two or more persons go in disguise on the highway or on the premises of another 
with yeah. intent to prevent or hinder his free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege so secured. Now, the question I've got flowing from the second part is, I just wonder whether what he's done was the intention of the legislature when they talked about injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate. Yeah, I think it it's really interesting. It sounds more direct and personal. Like you're getting as an in offense. someone's face. Exactly. Stopping them from going, approaching the ballot. And the second unboxed. part yeah. is concerned with people disguised on the highway. So is the first part really meant to cover yeah. this sort of indirect oppression, threaten, or intimidation? And I think that's sounds much quite more, interesting more direct than, than about that to me. the way that this has been pleaded because same facts, four different charges. I think the prosecutor might be trying to sort of say, well, if we can't get up on this or if the court decides that the elements of this offence don't actually really match uh, what we're talking about, then, well, I've got this other offence, yeah, so go for yeah. that one. The first two sound more spot on to me than the third one, I must say. Yeah. I mean, they're all a little bit, they're all certainly stretching the law into places where it hasn't been. But I mean, come on, that, what about the, the facts? Case, do, you think? do you think that's yeah. right? The facts have gone beyond... Anything that's come before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably right. Well, I don't, I, I don't trying know to that keep that's the true. presidency after a valid election of their opponent. That That's not. And, you, yeah. and engaging in these various different unlawful pursuits. So Gore Bush. Yeah. yeah. Gore Bush. I'm glad you went Bush there. goes to one arm of the government, the Supreme Court, and uses that to, in effect, stop votes being counted. In Florida. In Florida, right? Uses the Supreme Court to stop votes being counted. Because they kept fucking up the right. count or something. Is yep. that right? Happens to win. If you cast all of this as an attempt to create a political landscape whereby Congress would stop the certification of the presidency, then isn't that, in some sense, similar? No, I think it's pretty different because... One's going to a court to get some sort of ruling in relation to what lawfully should occur, whereas the other one is creating this atmosphere of division and discord according to the indictment, knowing it's all lies, and then trying to stop a lawful process occurring knowing that lawfully it should occur. I think it's very, very different. Except that it's, in terms of knowing that it's all lies, that's predicated on Trump not actually believing. 100%. Right? And that's key. And, that, and, yeah. and the, the, the other point is that, I mean, Bush-Gore was pretty divisive. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, that was a pretty divisive time. I remember staying up and watching that election going, what the hell's going on, you know? Um, anyway, I think the, the interesting thing is that Trump's numbers have gone up significantly mm. since this indictment. Um, there's a sense from his supporters or there, there's sort of this conspiracy theory put by his supporters that these indictments come out every time there's something in the Hunter-Biden yeah. uh, investigation. They yeah. say, well, every time something significant comes out, there's another indictment whacked on. That's the sense that's given. Um, but interestingly, sort of more reasonably, Jack Goldsmith, who's a Harvard law professor and no friend of Trump, he wrote a very interesting um, op-ed for the New York Times um, in which he said the prosecution, which might be justified, reflects a tragic choice 
that will comp out the harms to the nation from Mr. Trump's many transgressions. Um, and there's no getting away from the fact that this is Trump's political opponent prosecuting him at a time that he's running against him. And that's, I don't know if I can agree right? with that. You can't honey, not do it. Exactly. I think. Yeah. That's what I think. You Assuming that he's broken the law. That's right. And there's like, an if you assume that yeah. the so serious. things alleged are true, I, I don't think you can just turn away and because and it's look. divisive and it's going to up his numbers like all of these day-to-day things that happen in politics like if you give up on pursuing truly wrong things that undermine the whole fabric of the system you know because of these more day-to-day concerns i just think you end up in a place where you don't have a democracy because no one who loses will accept it any means that they deploy might not lead to prosecution because Everyone's so concerned about the consequences of prosecuting. And I also think it just delegitimises the whole criminal justice system because, you know, if these allegations are true and proven, he could be sent to jail for a long time. Meanwhile, prosecutors are prosecuting a whole range of other people for much less serious conduct all the time. Let's just... Yeah, okay. Let me... Here's my counter-arguments. Assume he goes to jail... Is that going to be good for the country? Is that going to lead to more or less political unrest? I think what you say, Manny, finds resonance in the necessity cases relating to coups and amnesty and stuff. Right. Like if you look at those cases, which a lot of them come out of all sorts of different places, obviously, but they talk about how at some point, and I'm thinking about cases from Fiji and Pakistan and different places, at some point, you know, necessity requires unlawful conduct so sort of inversely maybe at some point necessity warrants ignoring unlawful behavior because the consequences of prosecuting someone will actually just undermine the system even more just draw a line (coughs) and the point at the end of the day is the system but i just don't agree with that here i just don't agree with that here this is a virtually a one-off i mean he's a, a pernicious individual but this is a one-off. I think the system in America can deal with him. And yeah, his numbers have gone up. But I think if he's convicted of one of these and he's locked up, I just think they can deal with it. Their system imagine, can deal with it. Imagine okay. if Biden gives him a pardon. That's I, Which he might. I, I think. Huge. I, I think that would be the most boss incredible move. boss move. By, tomorrow, if yeah. Biden came out and said, That's I'm pardoning it. Trump. Pardoning. Even, let's just go. destroys. Just destroys all the upswing from Even that. playing field, let's he can, go. comes out and says, I'm convinced he's guilty of this crime, right? But I'm pardoning him because I want to get on with the future of America. public policy dictates that. Mad, like that would idea. be. But the other, the, other, the other reason why I think a prosecution is a bad idea is because the system worked. Trump is not president. And so what are we punishing here? We're punishing an attempt which wasn't hidden Right? There's no, there's nothing, it's not like Pence didn't know that the, it's not like when we're talking about fraud, fraudulent electors, we're not talking about, oh, here's a fake document mm. from these people who actually. Wasn't surreptitious. Said, wasn't surreptitious. It's all. Which it's is often all, a hallmark of corruption and illegality, but not always. Trump's right? always been brazen, right? Mm. He's, he threatens people publicly. He yeah. does a lot of stuff publicly that most people don't do. Right, but it, it gives it a political quality that it would otherwise lack. And I'm just, you political know, this Political crimes is, exist, though. Political crimes exist, yeah. but 
I'm sort of here thinking this just resonates with me with the fall of the Roman Republic, you know, where you start having all these politicians being prosecuted over and over again by their political opponents, right? And again, it's a, it, there's no getting away from the fact that Biden is ul- the ultimate prosecuting authority here. Well, what are you gonna, well a I mean, special prosecutor. Yeah, but, you know. Special counsel or whatever. It's still it. done under his auspices. It's still done by, you know, and it just happens, again, that there's also no getting away from the fact that there was a delay in the investigation and the Justice Department delayed the investigation for a year. Yeah, that's so and frustrating then, they did right, that. And then they indicted him just before the Why did they do that? The primaries? Is it just because it's complex and they needed to research it? The, the official line is that they were reluctant to do it for the very reasons I've been talking about, which is they didn't want to politicise it. And then so that so they delayed they delayed and then now they indict just as the primary season comes up. Like it's pretty bad timing. Mm. You know? Mm. It's, it's many years now or how many years now away three. from three years away. Mm. Facts haven't changed. It's complicated, but it's not when you read that indictment, you don't think, Oh wow, this is a new stuff that we didn't know about. As you said, he's done it all publicly. Yeah. So anyway, it'll play itself out. Who knows when the trial will be? There's certainly a push to have it on in January or February of next year. Mm. Um, you know, he could be sworn in as president while the, uh, the 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 shackles are going on. Yeah, well, even Who if knows? he's convicted, they these charges might not disentitle him to to be president. To be president. Though I wonder if the whatever amendment might come into play if he's incarcerated. What's that amendment where you're incapable of discharging the office? 25th. 25th Amendment or whatever it is. That oh, might come yeah, in. Oh, yeah, that's the... Yeah. Hey, just on a different note, I thought this was interesting. I was just wondering whether we had any counterpart offence to interfering with rights, that offence we are talking about before. Mm. So we've got Section 83.4 of the Criminal Code, interference with political rights and duties. person commits an offence if the person engages in conduct and the conduct involves the use of force or violence or intimidation or the making of threats, and the conduct results in interference with the exercise or performance in Australia by any other person of an Australian democratic or political right or duty, and the right or duty arises under the Constitution or law of the Commonwealth, uh, maximum penalty, three years. Sort of similar, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of anyone being prosecuted under it. but. Thanks for listening. 